when you first got to the varsity volleyball team, who was the first person to kick your butt? Or what was that welcome to varsity moment when you realized the whole new level of competition? Um, you know, I was, I'm from a small town in New Mexico and really small school that I was able to move up to varsity uh, my eighth grade year. So I played a little bit of JV after the eighth grade season was over and then moved up to varsity. And there was one teammate, she was a junior at that time that, um, you know, just had to show me my place and show me that, you know, there's a hierarchy and it didn't matter if I was this hot shot little eighth grader, she needed to show me, you know, what tough was on the court. And I remember being in the locker room, I'm, maybe I was in a stall or something and everybody's like, man, Holly's just being real, real tough and real mean. And I just kind of went off and vented. And then I hear the locker room door open and I'm like, you know, it had that sinking feeling like, Man, she just walked in. And so I came out of the stall and she was just standing right there. And oh, no. little eighth grade me, I'm like, oh, shoot, what did I get myself into? So, um, you know, after that season, we were okay. And then she had to teach me another lesson my freshman year. And we had a freshman slave cell and she bought me, you know, and taught me another couple lessons of knowing my place. And um, now she's, she's a great friend. She's a great, um, mom and supporter of sports in New Mexico, but you know, as much as she was tough on me, she was probably one of the best teammates because she was there to, you know, Hey, quit being lazy, pick it up. Don't let that girl push you around in the post, you know, like, come on, yeah. let's go. Yeah. So, you know, I guess nowadays you can't really have that type of, you know, I guess, welcoming to the team so much, sure. but you know, sure. 20 years ago, I could, we, you could do it and you learn the lessons and you learned how to be tough. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy, and one more line, record the track just one more time, my family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy, and one more line, record the track just one more time, my family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, I'm just fine, I'm good enough. but you be told I need some therapy, initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy. All right, welcome back to another brand new episode of the Team Player Podcast. This is episode number 48. We've got another very special guest today, and we got another Austin College Kangaroo edition of the Team Player Podcast. This is also our first guest to have graduated high school from the land of enchantment, beautiful New Mexico. Jason Haddock was born in Artesia, but he moved away in high school. This is our first guest to graduate from New Mexico. Besides growing up in a, such a beautiful setting, she's also one heck of a volleyball coach, winning the THSCA Coach of the Week this past September as the head volleyball coach at Bernie Champion High School. Welcome Jessica Tully mitchell Bragg to the show. Thanks for coming, Coach. Thank you so much for having me. All right, if you're a part of this team player movement, please make sure to take the five seconds to give us the five-star uh, review. Wherever you're listening to this, that helps us so much. Uh, we've got about 50 on Spotify and 25 on Apple Podcasts, so it's pretty good for a little show like ours. We're growing. The more the more ratings we get, the more people will find our show whenever they, they search for a sports podcast. If you want to leave a written review, I read those uh, on the show, and then you can hit the follow button to subscribe and get a new episode in your queue every Sunday. We'll be honored if the Team Player Podcast made it into your rotation. I'm your host, James Kobaleski. Please follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kobo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. All right, your early life. 
I've actually been to this town that you are from. So you, you mentioned this. I have been here. And I correct my pronunciation, but Ruidosa. You did it right. Well, it's Rudoso. That Rudoso, Rudoso. And I always give all you Texans. I guess I consider myself a Texan now, but all you Texans. Yeah. Oh, I got, you know, I'm going to go to Rudoso. I'm going to go skiing up there. Um, but it's Rudoso. So you were That's, close. You're so right. And it's funny, you know, you, you'll probably, you may know this guy, Derek Ruthart, uh, uh-huh. my best friend, another Austin College kangaroo. That is where him and his dad like to go camping. And so that's how I got roped into it. I went with them on one of their trips. It's been their their place for years and years. But yeah, the, his dad, Rod, the Texan, he says Ruidosa. So I, I don't uh-huh. know why we Texans do that because it, it clearly says Ruidoso. <laughs> 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 but for all my Texans listening, that's about two and a half hours northeast of El Paso and about three hours southeast of Albuquerque. So you said you grew up in a small town, New Mexico. Just, you know, you mentioned Texans like to go skiing or, or the horse races up there. So just describe what that childhood is like being in such a, a pretty place. Um, it's amazing. Rodoso, you can go um, skiing, horseback, uh, or go to the, the horse races. We have the amazing casino there. Um, like you said, a lot of people go camping. It's just a beautiful spot. It's the last part of the Rocky Mountains in New Mexico. So you get um, no humidity, which is a plus for everybody. Um, yeah. You know, you have the warm the warm uh, days and then the evenings they'll get down to 40 in the summer. So it's just amazing. Amazing. Um, I grew up on a ranch outside of Rodoso when, so when you're coming into Rodoso, it's in the Hondo Valley. So I grew up there, um, small little ranch, my parents, my dad's an attorney in town. And so we call him the, you know, the weekend, the weekend rancher, he'd work all day in the office or work all week in the office. And then on weekends come and help, you know, ranch. So I grew up branding, um, working cattle, rodeoing, and then like everybody in my family was huge into sports. So both my parents played college basketball. So basketball was my first love and, you know, grew up doing all the little leagues you could in Rodoso and then um, found out all about Texas sports by going to camps. I needed to get better. And then one of my first camps was at South Plains College in Level Land. And showed up there being like, you know, I know how to play. Like, I'm pretty good for my little small town. And it was a rude awakening. I'm like, okay, these girls know how to play. This is, this is cool. I got to work a little bit harder. No, yeah, but so cool. And again, for any Texans, like I remember driving from El Paso, like you said, it's in the mountains. I Mm -hmm. I just remember that steep climb upwards to try to get, to get there. And then, uh, you know, the, the display had the temperature and you just see the temperature dropping as As you're going there. Oh yeah. Very, very cool experience. I'm so glad I actually got to see your town. So I, I see why you're so proud of it. It, it was beautiful for sure. It's, it's amazing. You, yeah. You, so you said you, you graduated from Capitan High School. That's a smaller town, uh, just about 20 minutes north mm-hmm. uh, of Rodoso. So you graduated in a class of 36. So that's another you know, unique so experience. so big, right? Formed, yeah. <laughs> another unique experience that formed, set you up nicely for Austin College, which is another it small did. experience. but. What was that like? You said you, you were tied for third or fourth of a few classmates. So what was it like being in such a small class? Um, it was it was so cool because you got to know everybody. It was a family setting. Um, I mean, you know, as a coach, when everybody knows everybody, you come in with your own set of problems because they've grown up together. Sure. You not only play sports together, you're in the classroom every day with them. Um, you don't get a break from, you know, that 36 because you see them from 8 o'clock to 3.15 or whenever school gets out. And then usually on the weekends, you're like me, I was rodeoing with half of my class, so I couldn't get away from them. So, you know, I'm sure in high school, I was like, I'm so tired of these people. I want to get out of here. Um, looking back, it just 
gave me a lot of life lessons of, you know, how to treat your teammates off and off the, on and off the court and in the classroom. Um, you know, having a class of 36 is really cool. And then, you know, I meet my husband and graduated from Plano with almost 2000. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> gosh, did you even know anybody in your class? Like I could tell you everybody in my whole high school, what their names were and like, you know, go down to the elementary school, which is across the courtyard. So we were all on one, one, I guess, little block and it's, you know, you get on the bus and you got your little brothers and sisters or your friends, cousins and, and everything. So it's definitely a family atmosphere. And then you said some of the coaches that made a big difference for you were Coach Brian Massey and Mel Holland. You said Coach Massey's still coaching out there in West Texas. And Coach Holland, unfortunately, passed away a couple of years ago. Just do you want to just, you know, give give your flowers, so to speak, you know, to those coaches that made such a big impact in your life? Um, coach Massey is um, one of my first coaches. He moved me up to varsity um, basketball and then was my coach my freshman year for vo volleyball and basketball and track. So being a small school, they coached three sports. Um, he was really probably one of the first ones that pushed weightlifting for females. Um, you know, talking to other kids, um, or either other coaches that are around my age and they're like, man, we never did weightlifting in high school. We never pushed that. And he was huge into it. Um, and that was just something that I just thought came, came with playing until I got, you know, to college. I'm like, man, not everybody does this. This is, this I, is different. I, um, Cool. Uh, awesome fact, Coach Massey was one of our English teachers, but he was also one of our DJs. So, you know, I got to see him at practice and at games. And so Friday night we play play a game and then Saturday we're going to, you know, homecoming or one of our winter formals and he's right there DJing. He was so cool. He would make the best um, CDs and give yeah. them out to the kids with like awesome songs. And so it was like, man, my coach is a DJ. Like, how sweet is that? Um <laughs> Coach Holland was this huge teddy bear of a coach. Um, he would be the first one to just kind of jump down your throat, but then just give you a big hug afterwards. Um, I got, I was lucky enough to play with his daughter um, a little bit before they transferred schools. Um, and I think she's still around the area and his son is a coach um, in uh, Western New Mexico or Eastern New Mexico. Um, just an amazing family taught me so much about, sports in general but just how to play hard and play for your teammates I think like Coach Massey and Coach Holland definitely are the top two that I put at my list of like man you you made me into the player I was and pro probably one of the co of the coach I am today too and one thing I learned about you this weekend Jess and I didn't know this you and I share a birthday we are both January that. 14th I saw that on Facebook so happy birthday you uh, too both, it's a good day absolutely we're both Capricorns here <laughs> yes. it's funny you know we both went to college at the same time so we kind of aged ourselves a little bit when you talk about making a mixed CD I think some of our younger listeners may have no idea what the heck we're talking no, about no not at all and get burning CDs like what's yeah. that you don't know what that is oh uh, I remember the days on Napster or LimeWire and I can't be there yet. I got to get this song. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Oh, too, too funny. But also just one thing about your, your high school experience. I mean, you, you mentioned it. You did volleyball, basketball, track, rodeo. Now you're a volleyball coach at a prestigious high level volleyball program. Let's talk about dual sport athletes. You I, know, love I, I was, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I figured you'd say that because I know sometimes there's coaches like you that totally embrace it, which I, I'm of that camp, but sometimes, you know, there is pressure on athletes from their coaches or club or parents or whatever to specialize. So I want to hear your experience. What, what, um, what is your whole thought on that debate? 
Um, I want them to be, you know, in as many things as possible. Um, one, it's good for you to take a break from that sport. When I get my volleyball players back, I want them to be hungry to play, not being walking into practice being like, dang, another, another practice. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of playing volleyball. Um, another aspect of a health wise, get them doing different movements with their body. Um, coaching wise, I want somebody else to teach them something, you know, volleyball and basketball or volleyball track, all these sports have so many, you know, correlations that a coach could tell them to jump 15 times and I'll tell them to jump a different way. And then finally they figured out, you know, that movement. So getting different coaching styles helps them um, just relate better, you know, later in life. Um, and then just the fact that you could say that you lettered in extra sports or you let you helped your teammates out or your school out, not just in one sport is amazing. Um, now I coach club too. So I'm kind of one of those ones where I'm like, okay, I need you to go out for club. It's super important. It makes you competitive for that. But then I also want them to be like, all right, like if my club, I'm like, if you play basketball, don't come to club practice. You're already doing something sort sort of high level movement, go to basketball practice. Don't worry about club volleyball. Um, so cool. I think it's something, you know, high school coaches and club coaches need to have a better relationship with. It's a lot of, right. you know, right push and pull, but I, I love multi-sport athletes. I, I especially like when I get some dancers into volleyball because I'm like, they know how to land, they know how to jump. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. It, you're our second volleyball guest. Our first one was Carmen Solis Martinez. And like you, she coaches a varsity team and she also coaches club. Her situation was unique though in that most many of her students cannot afford, uh, she's in a low-income area, and so many of them cannot afford to play club. In fact, I believe she said only two of her varsity girls do play club. Wow. And so... I'm just curious just for volleyball, because it does seem like one where when you start getting to the elite level, club is kind of a non-negotiable a lot of times. Can you mm -hmm. can you kind of explain that to, to listeners maybe that aren't familiar with the volleyball scene? Like what what is the importance of the, the club circuit? I think because I coached a little bit in college and so did my husband that I know that I can't come and recruit you during the volleyball season. Like I got to come recruit you during club. Just I mean, I right. could get film all day long, but if I want to see you in person, I got to go see you during a club tournament. Um, it's also nice recruiting during club because you have a kid who is probably the same on the same level with her teammates, skill wise, talent wise. So, you know, you could go to a, a high school game and you might have an all-star and she looks great on that high school team, but then you put her up against or put her with seven other all-stars and she may not seem, sure. As, sure. seem as the athlete that you want. Um, so club is super important. And like, to be honest with you as a high school coach, I'm like, okay, I want you to play club just so you get just extra reps. Um, right. It never seems to be enough hours in the day to get them in the gym for all the reps, especially when you got freshmen all the way up to seniors. Um, it's super important if those athletes want to go on and try to play in college for the recruiting process, like I talked about. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just a fine line of you know, making, wanting them to play multi-sports, but then, okay, we got to get you at this high level in order to compete with the other schools, especially in the big cities, you know, Dallas and Houston and Austin have amazing clubs. And so when we meet them later in playoffs, it's like, dang, like these girls are playing at a faster, higher level. Sure. No, I, I love what you said about your, 
it's all about compromise to make it work right between the club coach and the high school coach. I love how you, you said with your club team, if they have basketball, you're, you're cool with it. Hey, you're working on another skill. So I, I think your unique experience as an athlete yourself playing four sports, I, I think that's great. So I would, I would recommend parents maybe look, research those kinds of things. Like what's the coach's philosophy on multi-sports when you're joining a club or, or let, let me ask you that question for parents researching which club they should join. What would you recommend to a parent as far as what questions should they be asking? Um, and this has come up just because I've been, you know, director of club and, and run and been a high part of club for the past 15 years is, you know, you try, it, it's a business. We, we want the kids to play for us. We want to do well. We want to go to nationals. Um, but it's also a business when you get down to the nitty gritty of it, like it's a legit business. So you want to get as many kids as you can. Um, but as in my daughter, this is her first year playing club. We can have another interview at the end of club season, see how that went coaching our kids. Um, but I think a parent needs to ask, like, what are the extras that this club is doing for you? And if a club says, Hey, we're just going to do our two practices a week and we're going to go to tournaments. I think that is fantastic. A lot of clubs have extra skills that they put on skill clinics. And a lot of them are getting now where they have like conditioning and strength little clinics. And I think that's overkill. Um, Mm. We have a lot of high level coaches in high school and middle school um, that have an off season. You know, my off season is tough. I, we work a lot on, on vertical training and strength and safety. And so when my girls come and they're like, coach, I I don't want to do this. Like we have, we have a, conditioning clinic tonight. I, I honestly am like, why are you doing that? You're going to condition with me for an hour today. You don't need to go to a volleyball clinic to get extra conditioning. Um, so right. I think a parent, as much as that sounds amazing because it's, oh, wow. Like, you know, they're, they're promising that they're going to do these skills. They're going to do this conditioning. That means that they might have, you know, a leg up on getting recruited. And some clubs are like, well, we have this nice little package. That means you're going to get recruited. No, it's not like it depends on how you play on the court. It doesn't matter if a club offers 15 skills clinics a week. It's how you play and what you're coaching during that game. So I think parents just need to kind of realize that more is not always best. And you sure. have these kids take a rest every once in a while. It almost sounds like for a savvy parent which I have an eight month old. And so I'm, I hopefully can put myself in that category as he goes older, but it sounds like you need to marry your club and your high school. You want to yeah. marry the two to make sure they're complementing each other. And mm-hmm. so I guess you're also asking, and I mean, we all know how it is. Kids move these days. They're able to transfer. I mean, we see a lot of movement at the high school now. Maybe when, when mm-hmm. we were playing, you didn't see as much, right? Yeah. We pretty much went to our high school, <laughs> but times change. And so I guess on the flip side of it, would you be asking those same questions of high school programs, potentially like trying to find out what the, what does the high school do? I think so. And that's something when I came to champion, um, it was a very successful volleyball team. They went to the semifinal or made uh, regional finals the year before. So I took over with a very talented team and we had a lot of club girls, but they didn't do weight room. And that was something right. I'm like, we're going to get in the weight room. Well, coach, I don't want to bulk up. You're not going to bulk up. Like I promise you, you're going to look really good, but you're not yeah. going to bulk up. Right. Um, so I think parents need to know what the coaches are doing other than, you know, the air quotes, X's and O's on the court. Like, right. what are you doing to help them off of the court? And one of the things that I've kind of 
um, stressed in the past, maybe two years is nutrition as well. These kids are not eating right. They're getting, you know, their energy drinks on the way to school and then probably not eating a lot during lunch because they don't either don't want to eat the cafeteria food or they can't go on campus or they simply forgot their lunch. Then they go to practice with an empty tank. And then because they're so busy after school on their way to their club tournament or club practice and doing homework, they're not eating right. So I've stressed, you know, a lot of good, healthy eating habits with my girls that, you know, as just a female who struggled with body image, I think most females do like, you know, food is not the enemy. It's there as a fuel. So I think parents need to ask about, you know, what's, what are your rules or what are your conditions for eating habits during season off season? What are you doing to get them, you know, healthy in, in games? And, you know, what's the, what's your off season like? I mean, we do a lot of hip workouts and knee and ankle um, strengthening for our girls. And sometimes my girls are like, coach, is that another Instagram workout? I'm like, well, it's from a highly credited coach that put a film up on Instagram, but they're like, what is this for? I don't feel it. And then the next day, oh man, coach, you're right. Like now I feel it. So I think parents just need to understand it's not just getting them to play in college and, you know, not, not many kids are going to go play in college at any level. Like we're, we're extremely lucky that we got to play in college. And I think coaches need to be pretty open and honest with the the kids. Like you have a chance, but it's very limited window to go play past high school. I think for any listeners listening to the show, they can see the type of comprehensive thought you put into your program. I mean, from, from the skills to the conditioning, to the nutrition. And I've, I've had the best coaches in the state and the country on this podcast. This is episode number 48. I've not had a single coach ever shy away from the weight room. It's all been unanimous how important that is. So for any parent or any player, when they start saying stuff like, oh, I don't want to bulk up, I'm really leery of that. Like who is in their ear telling them that they should not bulk up? Because I, for any parents listening, I think that's really bad <laughs> advice. And I've got 48 coaches on my show that would agree with me. <laughs> so definitely, definitely want to say that. And, and you brought up the Instagram workouts. That's the other cool thing. Like on Twitter, there's such a, de- a community of strength and conditioning coaches that share workouts mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, you know, debate on Twitter. And so that's the great thing about social media. I know there's some bad things about social media, but it's such an easy way to exchange ideas. And so yeah, it sounds it's like so, you're so cool. Good- Instead of just like watching film or, you know, go into a, a, a clinic, a coaching clinic. Now I can, you know, pull up. Um, was it the feed the cats program on, on yeah. Twitter and be like, dang, look at that workout. Like, let's go. And so wow. I love it. Like, like you said, social media has its, its downsides, but yeah. it's amazing for sharing, sharing workouts and sharing, you know, philosophies of coaching. And also, no, now I'm looking back into your kind of background after you graduated uh, from Capitan, you started at McMurray university. So that's something that, that we know well as Austin college kangaroos. We've definitely, you know, met <laughs> McMurray many a time in our mm-hmm. conference. So just, how did you, how were you initially uh, brought out to Texas from, from New Mexico? Um, just in the recruiting process, there were a few schools in New Mexico that recruited me, um, Colorado. I was game on going anywhere in the United States. And I went on a visit to McMurray and, you know, like any kid, you fall in love with a place or you, you don't yeah. like it. And I actually went there to play basketball. Um, and as I was moving in for the freshman, I guess, welcome the volleyball coach met me at the truck because I'd already talked to her and said like I don't think I can do two in college and you know I I just don't think it's going to work and she's like just come out like one practice just try it and uh she hooked me so coach Cami Petrie she's still there um at in Abilene at McMurray 
uh, loved it. But then I had, my family had some health issues with my grandmother. So I was like, all right, I, I still have that itch to play basketball transferred back to, um, New Mexico, Eastern New Mexico university had, uh, played basketball there. Um, and then it was just something where you walk on the campus and, you know, Eastern New Mexico is an awesome place. It just wasn't for me. And, uh, then, you know, I had Deb Hunter and coach Garza, who's still at yeah. Austin college. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> hey, we, we saw you at McMurray. You sure you don't want to come here? And I'm like, well, you know, what's this kangaroo thing? Like I, like, like, like some of the guys that have been Austin college grads, like, is it in Austin? I'll go to Austin. That's a yeah. pretty cool place. And then, you know, you wind up in Sherman, Texas and, yeah. um, you know, I got to play volleyball and basketball at Austin college, meet my husband and like yeah. lifelong friends. It's an amazing place to go. I loved it. So your husband is a guy that I obviously know really well, Zach, you know, Zach Bragg, <laughs> yeah. I, I played with him. He, he was a linebacker right behind me. And uh, he always struck me even then was a guy like this guy's got coach written all over him. Like oh the way gosh. that he was as a, as a player, he had like that air of, of a coach and he, you know, and so I know, is he still coaching? I've kind of been at lost touch with him, but what, what, is it, what does Zach do now? I'm actually dying to know. He's still coaching. Um, right now he's at basketball practice. So okay. his main sport is football still. Yeah. Um, he's at one of the brand new schools in Comel ISD, Piper High School. Okay. So he's coaching football there. Don't ask me what it is. He's moved a couple times, couple positions. So I don't know what position yeah. he's at right now. Um, second sport is basketball. Um, he kind of talked me into, into coaching. It's funny, you know, uh, when I was done, play, I didn't play basketball or volleyball my senior year of college. I was kind of, I don't want to say burned out, but just, you know, circumstances arise where I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore and sure. start to hate the sport that I've loved for so long. Um, so, you know, he asked me to marry him and he was at Delta State University. Sure. And I was like, well, I might as well figure out if I really want to marry him. So moved out there <laughs> with him and uh, I wasn't going to be a coach. Heck no, I'm not coaching. I'm not doing that. Then I marry a coach and uh, um, we found ourselves at, I guess he was at Trinity University, another, you know, school yep. that Austin College yep. knows really well. And um, I still wasn't going to be a coach, not doing it, not, not being one of those. And uh, one of my classmates while I was getting my master's was like, hey, you played volleyball. Would you be interested in coaching? Nope. She's like, well, it's at Texas Lutheran University. I'm like, I could jump back into college, sign me up. So I kind of fell into it of, you know, just who, you know, and, um, you know, Zach was like, well, you're, you're kind of good at, at it. And I'm like, you know, yeah. I, it's, I am like, all right, there's going to be two coaches in this family. It's, yeah. it's interesting. <laughs> okay. A couple of things I want to bring up there. So you mentioned you did not enter Austin college, you know, thinking you're going to be a coach. So that checks okay. out 64% of my guests. I keep, I keep tabs on this, Jess, 64% of my guests who are the winning awards, just like yourself did not think they were going to coach in college. I think you so talked that, to Marvin Nash about that too, because he wasn't going to be a coach. And then he's like, Marvin no, you just fall into the, it. The private sector, he was doing some, some office job that, you know, he, he couldn't stand. So, I mean, I just love that. That just tells me for anyone listening, if, if you have that desire to impact kids, it's never too late. Right. I mean, so I, I really love hearing that. And then we talk a lot about the, you know, a, a spouse of a coach, you know, because the hours are so long. Uh -huh. You have the unique, you and Zach have the unique distinction of your both coaches. Yes. So how can you describe, because you're, you're maybe one of the, the few that I've met so far. Let's talk about that, like that, that demand on time and how you guys make it work. Um, you know, when he was coaching college, 
I was just kind of like, you know, August 1st comes around or, you know, before August 1st, even with coaching school. And we have a joke that, all right, we'll see you in, in December. And, right. yep. you know, when he was busy at SMU and Delta State and going on two weeks at a time of recruiting, I'm like, you know, this is this marriage is going to work out perfectly. I get my alone time. Um, and then, <laughs> you know, we both become coaches and it's a lot of it's a lot of work, especially when you add in two two children and right. um be honest with you, sometimes it feels like I'm a single parent. Football sure. takes yeah. a lot more time than the other sports. Yeah. Most coaches are meeting six or seven days a week. Um, so there's a lot of times, you know, our calendars are color coordinated of, coordinated of like, all right, one kid's going here, they have blue, the other one's pink, I'm orange, Zach's, you know, purple, and we're going yeah. this, this, and this. And um, there's a lot of leaning on people in your community. And a lot of my players, after they, they, are done playing with me. I'm like, all right, who wants to babysit? I got our, there you go. wants to be my carpool kid. Um, so, and you know, we've moved to places where we had no family around and just had to make it work. So um, it's difficult. It's, it's, I hope my kids someday will be like, I love growing up in the gym and on the football field. Yeah. Um, you know, they have for my volleyball team, they had, you know, a whole team, 15, 16 girls that, were their big sisters who loved them and weren't afraid to be like, Hey, quit doing that. Um, so I think it's, it's great for kids growing up. We'll see what their therapy says later in life, but, um, you know, just like Saturday, my daughter had a gymnastics meet. She's like, I'm sorry, mommy, you have to spend it at a, at a, in a gym. And I'm like, it's not any different. Like it'd be basketball basketball or or gymnastics. So, um, you know, they get to hear a lot at the kitchen table of, you know, what happened at school or what happened in practice and like, you know, what not to do, what kids we love. And then you kind of had to tell them like, Hey, when you see that kid, you can't tell him we were talking about him at the t- table. <laughs> There's been a couple of those where, you know, nothing bad was said, but like, yeah, mommy, mommy was mad at you at practice the other day. Did you mess up? And you know, the yeah. player was looking at me and I'm like, well, you did have a bad practice. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's too funny. That, I, I love that. And I think it's a great experience for kids. And I mean, like I said, I coached for 11 years. I now, I'm not coaching as my, my day job, but I, I, I sell scoreboards for Dactronics during the day. So I'm still involved in athletics, but I'm still at the games. Like I do broadcasting, mm-hmm. I do podcasting. Cause I just, I love it. I built such a network of my coaching buddies. I love supporting them now in this role. And so for my son, even though I'm not technically a coach, I'm, you better best believe I'm going to have him up at the field house all summer with my coaching buddies and, yeah. you know, hanging around the older kids. I think that's great. But let's go through your, okay, so your resume. So you started at Texas Lutheran, another, again, another school that Austin College is mm-hmm. very familiar with. So what was it like starting at that, for, for, for coaches that are maybe interested in going the collegiate route rather than high school? I think most of our, most of our guests are high school coaches, but yeah. how would you describe for a coach interested in maybe going that D3 route? How does it compare to coaching in high school? Like, what did you like about it? What didn't you like? Well, you know, what was that experience? I think what I loved about it was you had a team of kids who, who really wanted to be there you know playing d3 we don't get any kickbacks um so you have to love the sport you have to love to play and compete and you know i think a a few of us could have gone on to d2 possibly d1 and sat out a year um but we went d3 for either we loved the school or we we just wanted to step onto that court filled our freshman year and contribute to the team so it's it's really nice coaching kids who want to be there 
Um, another cool thing is you're not coaching adolescents, you're coaching, coaching adults. Um, so you kind of have a little bit of a different relationship with them. You're not quite being the mother, hopefully to them. Um, recruiting division three is super hard. Um, I love TLU trying to get kids to come to Seguin, Texas was, (laughs) was tough, especially if you had San Antonio, you got Trinity or you have, you know, the schools in Austin or ones in Dallas, like, why would I want to go to Seguin? So recruiting D3 is, is, is tough. It's a, it's a grind. Um, but it's, there's no better feeling when a kid is like, gosh, like I really had a connection with the coaches or I had a connection with the school. So now looking back at Austin college or McMurray, like, you know, those are huge points for the coaches. Like that means that means something a little bit bigger because they fell in love with you, not the money that they're, they're receiving. Um, I was lucky because I kind of fell into that. Zach, you know, moved around coaching college for a while. And then I was like, well, if we want to have a family, we got to make some money. So we both went to high school. Um, But, you know, trying to get back into college is something that he really wants. I would be totally open to it. I think it's awesome competing at that high level. Um, But it's definitely a a grind. It's, It's all year round. Whereas, you know, volleyball ends hopefully at the state tournament right before Thanksgiving. And then you get a little bit of break. If you don't have a second sport, then you go right in the off season. And it's still that different grind of you're teaching, you know, however many classes a day and then going to practice at D3. It's like you're recruiting and you're looking at video all day. And, and then you might right. you know, maybe teach a racquetball class, but yeah. know, it's just a, a little bit different uh, community in that office too, because you got coaches who obviously love to be there because we know that D3 doesn't pay their coaches as high as D1. So, you know, it's definitely a different type of love being there. And so after, after that experience at TLU, you you moved on to Comfort High School, which is about 45 minutes Northwest of San Antonio. So talk about that first experience in the high school ranks. Um, That was another one. Connections are huge. You've talked about it in some of your other podcasts. Um, One of the coaches that I did my first club team with, she was at Comfort um, High School, Carrie Leach. She's one of our best friends. She's godparent to my kids. Um, she was there and I was like, man, I'll, I'll go coach for her again. So, um, went to comfort high school. It was kind of one of those things where, you know, I'm still pretty young and I'm teaching kids just a few years younger than me and trying to figure out how to be the adult in the situation. Um, loved it there, coached volleyball, basketball. Um, and then we just moved, just Zach got another offer for a school. So it was like, all right, we're, we're, we're moving on. Um, obviously I came back to comfort, so they made an impression on me because right. I went back and was a head coach there a few years later, but it's a really cool little town of, you got your country kids who are willing to work. They're usually doing FFA in the morning and then they come to, to practice and then they're going and working for their parents after school. It's a huge blue collar community. It's an amazing community. And then after that, you went to Denton Calvary Academy and you you, met, you noted two state championships against Geneva. So talk about that experience. Um, that was another, another connection. I was doing club up in Plano and one of the club coaches was like, hey, I'm I'm leaving high school to go to the private um, sector to do to spend kind of more time with her family and get out of teaching. I need an assistant. Um, so I was Jen Bramlett's assistant there. She's one of my, my mentors. Um, I still have drills that named after her (laughs) and uh, we went to state twice won it against uh, Geneva and it was kind of like the Geneva teams that we beat I actually had um, club girls on from when I was at comfort so it was like beating my old club girls 
And then um, we moved back down to the San Antonio area and I was, I got a job at Geneva. And so it was like, man, we beat you. Maybe I can, you know, show you, show you the way to, to win state, but uh, had an amazing group of kids there. I was there for three years and uh, still see some of the families here in Bernie, like see them at yoga, see them in HEB and it, another private school that is amazing. Like I couldn't, if, if anybody wants a private school, I would go to Denton Calvary or Geneva. It was amazing family and faculties there. Well, let, let's pause for a moment and give you your flowers. You join an elite uh, group here. There are six team player podcast alums that have won state championships as a coach. And so we have Kevin Swift, who won one in Oregon as a high school football coach. Brett Sniffen won one as a defensive coordinator in Iowa. Pat Abernathy won, a, a, won it in rugby in Colorado. Zane Brown uh, won it in powerlifting. DeAndre Holmes, another Austin College alum, uh, won it at Robstown Early College for powerlifting. And now we add Jess Tully Mitchell Bragg has won one in volleyball. That's six out of 48. So it's elite company. Three out of those six are Austin College alums, actually. Pat Abernathy is also Austin College. So send your kids to Austin College if you want to win state championships. <laughs> we know how to coach. We know how to yeah, coach. <laughs> absolutely. So that, that's really cool. You mentioned you, you you did return to Geneva and then also another return. To, or you, went, you went to Geneva and then returned to Comfort High School. And then you went down to Veterans Memorial in Corpus Christi. So another big shift geographically. So just what was that? What is that experience like? Um, we call it our our year at the beach. Um, just one of those things where you get new superintendents or new principals in the school and the coaching um, kind of changes within who they bring in. And so Zach and I were like, well, why not Corpus Christi? Um, yeah. We've been all around the state. We've moved, obviously, um, up quite a few times. We're like, why not Corpus? So we've never been one of those families that's like, oh, we can't do that. We don't know people there. Um, loved our time in Corpus, met amazing people. Uh, Zach worked for Cody Simper, who's at Sci Fair now, I believe. Um, worked with uh, Coach Mitchell down there, who's a strength and conditioning coach. Um, learned so much from him. Um, and Veterans was a, a really cool place. It's just amazing the connections you get with kids and, and coaches. And, you know, club down there was uh, Corpus Christi Force, who, an, uh, another group of coaches that I still am in contact with. We see each other at uh, tournaments and it's like, we, we never left just great people in Corpus. And, you know, just, then we came back up to Bernie for champion opened up and connections again, a club parent was like, Hey, you should apply. And I'm like, Oh, I can't get that job. Like it's an amazing job. And then get the phone call. Hey, come in for an interview. And I'm like, well, crap, I, maybe I can do this. So back up to Bernie. So it's our third time kind of in the Bernie area. Um, we obviously love it because we're back here. So, And, you know, what's it like? I mean, you're coaching 5A volleyball. So that's 6A being the biggest. I mean, this is big time volleyball. What's it like as you progress into that state tournament? I mean, just uh, can you describe for, for listeners maybe that aren't familiar, you know, with Texas volleyball? Like what's, what is it like at, 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 when you advance into the playoffs here in Texas? It, it's tough. Um, yeah. We moved into a new district. Um, this realignment, so the last re realignment, we moved into a district where four, no, five out of five teams out of that district had gone to playoffs and not only made playoffs, but went to the state tournament, um, went fourth round, went third round, went third round, went third round. 
Um, so we we joked and we called ourselves the SEC of of Texas yep. for, for yep. Um, you know for five A. So you had Alamo Heights in there that went to state, lost in the state um, championship. Um, I believe that was twenty nineteen. Um, then you had Dripping Springs that went four rounds. You had Canyon who six A went. I don't know how many rounds, and then they came back to 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 five A. Um, then you had Tyvee who was in our district the year before. Um, that went three rounds and we went three rounds. So then you put us all in the same district and every single match is just make it or break it. You could kind of say that's the game of the year, but it was every single game in that district. So then we uh, realigned and we lost Dripping Springs. Thank God. Love Michael Kane, but he, <laughs> he runs a, a tough program. Sure. We lost Alma Heights. That's another one. Coach Bothy there, like amazing program. Glad to see you leave. I'll see you later. Um, but we stayed in with Canyon with Heather Sanders, who is probably another coach that I would just be like, can I just watch your practice? Like, I just want right. to right. teach me your ways. Uh, Smithson Valley moved down to five, a, which is another team that went, I don't know how many yeah. rounds of six, a, yeah. and they moved down. Um, we have Piper who, you know, my husband works at right. so playing his school who they're young, but we have, uh, Courtney there who Patton, who is another amazing coach. We still have Tyvee who, you know, you just have these great teams that you can't sleep on anybody. So every practice, it's like, we got to prepare, we got a game plan and there's no time off. And so I think volleyball in Texas, I mean, you got from 1A all the way up to 6A, you have these power teams in every single district that, you know, to make playoffs is huge. To go one round in the playoffs is amazing. So there's nothing to, you know, kind of shake your head about when you don't make playoffs because you got beat by the best teams in Texas, like literally the best teams in Texas. You know, now one thing, obviously I started this podcast because I love coaches. I mean, I, I came from kind of like a little bit of a troubled home, you know, some domestic abuse stuff going on at home. So I, I wanted to get out of my house and mm -hmm. get to my school where the coaches loved me and made me feel important and, and made me feel good about myself. So that's why I still do this show. I just love to highlight these people that are making differences in the lives of young men and young women. And so now that I'm not coaching and I'm in the stands as a broadcaster, I'm when you're on the sideline, you don't hear quite as much of it, but um, now that I'm, I'm, I'm in the stands, I'm hearing some negative behavior from parents sometimes directed at coaches or directed mm -hmm. at officials. And it really just rubs me the wrong way. And so I hope that parents listen to this too. And I understand that parents that do act like that, they love their kids. And so I think it's kind of misdirected the way they're putting their energies, but they think they're helping when I think they're actually making the experience worse uh -huh. for their kids. So my, my question to you for parents that are going to be negative towards a coach or towards an official and things of that nature, what advice would you give them? You know, what advice would you give them to allow them to allow them to give the best experience for their kids? Um, I think parents need to understand that the absolute worst part of my job um, is cutting kids. First of all, cutting kids. I hate tryouts. That's I, I hate everybody's like, Oh, August 1st is here. And I'm like, I, I hate it. Cause these kids come out and I'm, I'm going to crush a, a few girls dreams. Um, that, so that's awful. And then the next part of it is kids who sit the bench. Um, I was lucky enough to be really good in high school. I was, you know, all-star and MVP of not just one sport, but a few sports. And then I go to college and I sat the bench and to tell you the truth, I was not the best teammate or the best, best athlete for, for some of my coaches. I had an attitude sure. and, you know, I think parents need to realize that coaches do care about their kids. We love them. We don't want, we don't wake up saying 
that kid made me mad. I'm going to sit her on the bench. Like, that's not it. We have, right. there's a lot of moving parts that we have to figure out, especially volleyball. We can't just sub in and out. We can only sub for certain kids. Um, the game by, goes by so quick. So it's like, well, if this kid only plays front row, they can't, they don't play very well in back row, you know? So there's a lot of moving parts. And I don't think parents quite understand that. And plus that's their baby. And sure, sure. I mean, you, you know, now you're a father, like yeah. you, you hope you have understanding and patience. Right. But there are times where you're just like, that's my kid. How dare you? And so I think parents just need to realize that we love their kids. Um, we put in a lot of time away from our own families for their yeah. kids. Um, so I get it. It's tough watching your kid on the bench or maybe not get the ball as much as they think they should. But then they need to look around in the stands and see how many other parents are feeling the same way. Exactly. Um, and then towards refs. I mean, I have a redheaded temper. I get upset at refs too. Um, I think every player and parent needs to ref a game. Yes. Um, and then they would change yeah. change their tune. Maybe maybe for a little while because I still get upset because I'm like, yeah. well, I've refed. I know the rules. But then, you know, you have that split second time to call if it in or out. Was there a touch? And you got all these parents and players yelling at you. So maybe that would help. But I think parents just need to have a little bit of grace and empathy and know that, you know, we, we love their kids. Like we want them to do well. And sometimes it just comes down to skill and a lot of times genetics. Yeah, <laughs> or not. yeah absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more uh, with all of that. And then a fun story at Geneva, you came across a, a daughter of a very famous football player, which you didn't realize <laughs> at the time. I, I want to hear this story and I want to hear Zach's reaction when he told, told the story. <laughs> So uh, at Geneva, I was I was called in by my AD, like, hey, you need to set up the nets for this little league thing. And, you know, I'm like, gosh, little league parents, they're going to ruin my nets. They're going to mess this up. And gosh, and then here was this guy who's my size, not a football player, like size, like my right. height, like right. coming up to me and was the nicest guy, like, coach, I like, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. Like, this is awesome. You got yeah. any pointers for us? Just the nicest man and then you know we finished up and I'm like all right like kind of I wasn't rude to him but hey you need to put my nets up like this like I, I expect this this and this yeah yes ma'am like whatever you you want da 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 and then yeah. you know I'm walking out of the gym and my AD was like well did you get his autograph I'm like who are you talking about he's like that guy that's that win and I was like who's that <laughs> you know and he's like well he played at A&M and you, yeah. you know like did all this. And I'm like, all right, like I'm from New Mexico. We're not yeah. huge in football. It's not Texas football. I don't know who this is. I married a football coach. I don't know that much about it. And so, you know, I go home and I'm like, Zach, guess who I met? And he was just like, and you treated him like that. And, so <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't know, <laughs> but, um, just an amazing guy. His daughter was one of the hardest working girls. Yeah. Um, you know, seeing him and his family at games, people would come and ask him for autograph. He was so gracious, but you would never know that he was, you know, this amazing athlete and football player, um, just by the way he acted, he was there for his girls, um, there for, you know, the team. And it was all about, you know, promoting sports for Geneva. So amazing, amazing guy. That's a really cool story, Jess. And, you know, uh, I'm more of a Texas Longhorn fan than an Aggie fan, but <laughs> I got to give Dad his flowers. And I know Zach, being a fellow linebacker, I'm sure he was just blown away that you met Dad win because he yeah. was awesome as a player. But 
Uh, Bucky Richson is another Aggie that I actually met in my coaching days, and he was exactly the same way. He was a quarterback at AM, but the most humble guy, always just coach, what can I do to help? Mm-hmm. You know, and it sounds like Dad went the exact same way. And I've noticed that a lot. We yeah. don't get parent problems a lot of times from people that play professional sports. And I think because they get it, they yeah. understand how hard it is to coach and they understand how hard athletics is. And I think, you know, sometimes parents, maybe that their career didn't go the way they wanted and they're angry or bitter. I, I think we get more of that than like pro athletes. You, you might think pro athletes, maybe they're used to being the star and they're going to give you a hard time. They really don't. Every, yeah. I've met a couple in my coaching career and they've, they've been excellent. So mm-hmm. just something, something to think about there. Now, as far as your favorite teams, as we know on the podcast, I collect jerseys, so I am wearing a New Mexico Lobos football jersey go. here for you in your honor, uh, Jess. But I got to ask you, in a place like – I've always wondered this because you kind of said you don't really have favorite teams, and it makes sense because in New Mexico there's no pro sports. Mm-mm. I've always kind of wondered that. In these states that don't have a pro sports team, I, I imagine that's pretty common, right? You don't really – you're not following. Or, or like, you know, being Rodoso and having a huge Texas influence, you know, everybody would wear the Cowboys jackets. Okay. And, right. and so, so I knew who the Cowboys were. I know, you know, knew the players. But, it, you know, like I said, football wasn't something big um, growing up. My family being a basketball family, we were huge Celtic fans. Larry Bird oh, really? is yeah. one of my one of my favorite basketball players. And then the Bulls, like um, everybody's a Jordan fan. I love Jordan, but I was, you know, Scottie Pippen, you know, and yeah. I had players like that. So I, maybe being from a state that doesn't have a pro team, we just kind of find a team that we like or a player and, and right. follow that. Um, you know, my grandfather was huge in the sports. He played um, everything in high school and um, was a team roper and everything else. So we followed as he was older, we would watch team roping on, te- on television, or we'd drive to a, a rodeo and watch. And I would meet a lot of, you know, team ropers and, you know, the Coopers and, and bull riders. Like we, my, my mom grew up with tough heat one of the uh, famous bull riders that yeah. rode with Lane Frost. So, you know, she knew all these people and it was kind of, it's yeah. just a little bit different. I think being in a little ranching community of who sure. you're, your sport heroes are they're not necessarily throwing a football they're they're throwing a rope that's awesome bull riding i think that's so cool and the other thing i think is cool you use zach's fandom to kind of power your (laughs) fandom i love this you you root for anyone playing the mavericks because zach is a diehard fan you like to give zach grief and go for anyone that is playing them i love that yeah oh yeah anytime anytime some any team's playing the mavs i am going for that team just, just to kind of, you know, make Zach a little upset. And then we moved to San Antonio and I was all, I, and that's another thing, maybe being yeah. New Mexico, it was more, you know, we're going for the Spurs and not the sure, Mavs, yeah. um, you know, buying Spurs stuff. And Zach's like, oh, you're not wearing that here. And then, you know, my daughter was born in, this, born in San Antonio and he's like, no, you can't be a Spurs fan. So now she's like, Mavs. I'm like, now you're just doing it to make me mad. And, you know, so. <laughs> I like to give him grief on, you know, whoever's playing the Cowboys and whoever's playing the Mavericks. Cause he's a, he's a Dallas boy. So I'm yeah. like, All right. I, we have that competition in our house. Well, the big game is tonight for the Cowboys. So I think that Zach's probably gonna be on edge tonight. So you can maybe, you know, rile him up a little bit. Maybe. They yeah. play the Buccaneers yeah. tonight. But uh, I love that story. Um, you can always become a Rockets fan. You can come over to our side. If True. you want a neutral True. city. Go Houston. Yep. Yep. Go down <laughs> further South. Yeah, but you also mentioned like wherever your former players end up or maybe even girls you played against. You mentioned TCU Volleyball and Julia Adams, the Idaho Vandals and Marissa Drange. And then next year, it'll be Grand Canyon University and Texas Women's for two of your seniors. So you mm-hmm. want to just kind of talk about that experience, like getting to see some of your players advance into, into collegiate volleyball? 
Yeah. Um, so Julia Adams, I, I, she's starting outside for TCU. I think she's going to take a COVID year. Um, otherwise she would have graduated this year. Um, I was honored to coach her. I think her 12s or 13 year in college or in, in club. Um, so I like to say that I gave her all like the startup to be where she is that not really, she's an amazing player. Um, but I got to go watch her maybe two years ago and, you know, got to picture with her and talk to her mom. And it was just a really cool um, experience seeing a kid that, you know, was already at 12 was taller than me. And now she's breaking records at TCU. Um, so her, and then Marissa Drange was a, a player for me um, for three years here at uh, champion. She's um, she went to Idaho. Um, she's had a little bit of a shoulder um, injury, but she's another one that, um, you know, I, always keeping up with her on Twitter or anytime that somebody puts up something, want to watch her. Um, I had two seniors this year, uh, an outside hitter going to go to Grand Canyon University. I can't wait to watch, watch her, uh, Emma Wegleitner. She's going to literally kill it when she goes to Grand Canyon, uh, <laughs> Texas women's, um, just in, in Denton, another team that I kind of played yeah. against when I was at Eastern New Mexico, uh, Kelsey Rogers. She's a middle blocker. That's going to go there. So it's really cool to kind of be like, man, I, I knew them. And like, maybe I, I helped their decision or I helped them a little bit in volleyball. So, and then like anybody that we play, like um, being in the club world, we kind of know who's going where and, and everything. So when I see somebody like, oh, I remember that girl, like good for her. She went on, like she killed us. She's gonna, she's gonna do really well in college. So I like just following, I think my Twitter feed is, filled with all sorts of teams that I'm like, okay, I knew somebody there. Now, the last part of the show, we always do this. We like to put the coaches on the hot seat a little bit. And so you've been coaching elite volleyball for 15 years now. So whether that's club or for school, I'm letting you pick all of the girls you've coached over the past 15 years. I'm going to give you a chance to give your greatest players you've ever coached their flowers. If you could roll out one starting lineup composed only of girls you have coached to win the biggest game of your life, who would be in that starting six? Gosh, that's I when you you kind of sent me that heads up last night, and I'm yeah. talking to Zach, and I'm, he's like, "Well, he's like, I'm glad I'm not being asked that question." I'm like, "Man, you'd get <laughs> eleven players to choose from. I only get you know six. And I have to tell you, like, there's so many kids that have made an impact on me, and maybe they weren't the best player on on the sure, team. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, you know, just there's been some players that have just own the court just right. in their personality and how they've they've played um obviously I gotta talk about the the girls that we just did you know I mean I'm gonna yeah. put Julia Adams on there she's gonna be yeah. one of my outsides Marissa Emma Kelsey I got all these these amazing hitters and players that you know it's looking through the years I'm like gosh like Q you can't do that to me like, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta give all these girls you we know their flowers and I can't forget it. about some of them and so I don't know there's just so many that I would have to have you know my six and then I of course I'd have to have another six to scrimmage against and practice to make That's true. You know, to work we'll on just make a whole so, roster How about <laughs> yeah I'll just do everybody you know I gotta have a travel team I gotta have yeah. you know a scouting team and everything else but I don't I honestly don't know if I could pick just six that's fair There's totally fair so many so many awesome kids that I've coached 
No, I love it. You might want to go into politics, Jess. That was a very good way of getting out of the answer. <laughs> uh, this has been so much fun. If y'all have enjoyed it as much as I have, again, please take the moment. Give us that five-star rating. That helps us so much so more people can find the show. Hit the follow button to subscribe and hear new episodes as soon as they come out each week. And follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kobo. Coach, that's Coach underscore K-O-B-L. If you want to email us, you can hit us up at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. A lot of our guests are, are through referral. You know, I, I'll get an email or, or a Twitter message just saying, hey, you got to talk to this coach. And so please, please do that. We, we want to lift up our own here inside the Team Player Nation. As always, the cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast is provided by two of my former players. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr, and our intro and exit music is One More Good Enough from Avrion's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Coach, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a true pleasure. This has been awesome. Thank you so much. And we're going to have to track down Zach. I will definitely, now that I know that he's still coaching, I'm going to track him down. We'll have a, we'll have a Zach Bragg episode as well. We need to. He, he, would, he would love it. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. No, Zach was one of my favorites always. I can't wait to do that. But thank you so much to all y'all for your support, and we'll catch y'all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy 